0: Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. Jeremy already touched on a bunch of stuff that I was going to talk about. So, uh, you know, I, we could just go home now if you want. But what I think what Jeremy's been talking about and what I think a lot of us have been feeling here lately it's had a lot to do with our relationship with God. And that's something that I know I, co- you know, I want to try to constantly evaluate. I want to try to constantly improve on because I value that relationship, right? I value the relationship that I have with God and the relationship that that is building, and what it builds within me because it makes me a better person. And my heart and my longing for him makes my heart start to look like his heart, My longing for him makes my ideas start to look like his ideas. And so as we look at this as a context of a relationship and what that should look like, I start thinking about the different types of relationships we see. And so we see in the Bible that the relationship between us and God can be like that of a father and son. And... That's an important relationship. We see the the dynamic there where it's a father who loves his son, who wants what's best for his son or daughter. He wants what's best for his children. And so he's going to do things that the kids may not understand, the kids may not always appreciate, but he's going to do things that are going to be in their best interest. Then I start to think of Jesus and his role as our brother. He's the first among the brethren. He's the example that was set for us. He's what we're supposed to become so that what we see in the Bible with Jesus is an example of what we are supposed to be in the life that we're supposed to live. And Another thing I start thinking about is I think about marriage. And so you see Jesus or God calling the church as his bride. And that's really where I wanted to key in today was because I think that's a, an aspect of the relationship with God that sometimes we overlook and sometimes we miss because God longs for that intimate relationship, that intimate covenant relationship. Because it's not just about our relationship with him from far off. It's not just about the example that he set, but it's about the intimacy that we desire with him and the intimacy that changes us and molds us and starts to form us into the, the image of Jesus. And so, one of the things that when I start to really think about marriage, I start to think about the fact that I was married pretty young. And I told my wife that I wasn't going to give any bad examples or, you know, everything's good. good. (laughs) But when I think about marriage, I was married young. And so, we were still in college. We were still, you know, growing up. I was still living at home. She was still living at home. We didn't have an identity outside of basically still we're still children we're still becoming adults and that's something that I can say that when I start to compare that to my my relationship with God I was also I became a Christian at a young age and so I know that because of those things I missed out on a lot of pain and a lot of trial and a lot of hardship and a lot of heartache because I came to God and I came to know my wife and so I have no idea what it's like to live you know as an adult not with my wife with me not being part of a married couple, not having responsibility and relationship and an identity with her. And I can say the same thing about my relationship with God because I was married or because I became a Christian at a young age. I don't know an identity apart from God. I don't know an identity that's associated away from God. I don't know how to live life without God's presence there. And I've grown up in church. I've grown up in places where that's constantly reinforced. I've grown up with friends that are constantly pushing me back to that. Even there are times when I would start to fall away. There were times that I would start to doubt. There was always people in my life, always institutions, always groups, always families that would pull me back. And so that's, I think that's an important aspect of my relationship with God. But I think there's also something to be said for those that came to God later. Just like if you come to a marriage later, or you come to a marriage after a failed one, you begin to see the good and the bad. You know what a bad marriage is. You know what the relationships look like that, you, that don't work. You know about the things that have failed in your life, and you know that you, you know the value of what you have. And so as somebody who's come to Christ at a later date, there are people who have a lot of experience. And I know that I had a youth pastor who was amazing. And he came to us, and he was a drug dealer, He had been promiscuous. He had, you know, just about everything he could have done. He was in a gang. You know, everything he could have done that would have put you on the the wrong track, he had done. But I know that when he told me the best encounter, the best high I've ever had was with Jesus, he was telling me the truth. He could tell me the best relationship that he had ever had was his marriage because he had been in other relationships. He knew where he had been, and he knew what the best thing was. He had seen it, and he had done the world. He had done everything the world told him would make him happy. He had money. He had cars. He had all the fun things. And he said, you know what? I'll give it all up to be able to start over and be with God. And so I think that's an important perspective and something that as someone who doesn't have that perspective, I think I need people like that around me. I need people who have come to Christ at a later date who can reinforce that and tell me, remind me the value of that relationship and the importance of what it looks like. So that when there's temptation, when there's an an idea that something else might be better, I can have somebody that actually says, no, I've been there, I've done that. That's not for you. That's not what you want. And so those are important aspects of the relationship, important aspects of what we're supposed to become. Then I think about some other marriages I've seen, and one in particular that really stood out to me. I had a friend growing up, and their father wasn't home much. I never really understood why until one day he was there. And he would show up for a day or two, maybe three, long enough to get sober, long enough to get, you know, get food, sleep everything off, and then he would turn around, grab whatever he could of value, and take off again. And that, when I started to see that, like, and they're still married, they still technically had a relationship, their parents, but what kind of example of that as a relationship was it? What did that provide to that family? And as I thought about it, I'm like, you know what, what? How often am I like that? How often have I been the guy that shows up long enough to get over whatever crud I dealt with, whatever thing I got myself into, whatever pain, whatever sorrow that I got myself into, just long enough to go back to God to say, okay, I'm better now. Take whatever I can and leave. Have I ever been that kind of husband? Have I ever been that type of spouse that I have failed and been that kind of terrible example for the people around me? But I know I've done that with Jesus. I know I've done that with God. I know that I haven't been the correct example that I have failed and I have come and I have been abusive and I have been a terrible partner. I have been a terrible spouse to God. But I know that he loves me. He cares for me. He forgiven me and he has called me again and again to come back to him and to love him, to enter into relationship with him, that we would not be separated and we would not be apart, but we would be together and together in the same mind and same flesh, literally as we're becoming one, trying to come into his, the idea that he has for us, which is to bring all of us together, bring all of us into a communion, bring all of us into identity with him. It's another thing. You can't always be something that's convenient. How many of these marriages that you see in Hollywood where you've got these two stars and they're, you know, everybody's famous and they're so amazing and everybody wants to be like them and their marriages fall apart again and again. They're on their fourth or fifth marriage. It's a marriage, it's it's of convenience. It's like, okay, you can bring something to me. You can make me a little more famous. You can, we can get in the headlines together. And then as soon as something goes on, as soon as you have some sort of problem, it falls apart. I'm reminded of a story that's been going around at some point that there's a a guy who was sick and he was going to be hospitalized, been hospitalized for a couple weeks. And his wife, first thing her thought, her first thought was, let's go on vacation. Like your husband's literally in a hospital trying to recover. And your thought is, let's take the kids, go to another country and Relax. Like, you should be there for your husband. You should be there for your spouse. That's a, a terrible example of what you should be. That's not something I want to be. It can't be a relationship of convenience. And so I want to read Genesis two, and this is the, basically the first example of marriage that we see in the Bible, and it's actually the second instance of it, but it's described once before. It said the Lord God, said, "It is not good that the man should be alone." And that rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. See, this is the example of what marriage was supposed to look like becoming one flesh. So literally with Adam and Eve, you saw God creates one being out of the same flesh so that they were in union together and they had a purpose together. God has set Adam as a steward over the garden. They had purpose to bring all of creation and to tend to God's creation. And so they were joined in that purpose. And one of the things that we see here is the the actual word that's used for helper is called azer which is used a couple of times in reference to Eve, but it's also used throughout the Old, in different places in the Old Testament to refer to another type of help. And it's, I feel like this is a more profound statement, helper, because what we see with, in this instance, what we see with this word is the fact that this was not just a, someone who was, you know, assisted me in doing something. This was literally a source of strength. So in the other places where you would see this mentioned, you would see it. Instead, the word was used in place of an army, someone who was battling an army. A lot of times it was literally life-saving. It was the strength that was provided to someone to be able to do the task that God had in front of them. So the wife, in this instance, in in Eve, you had the strength, the provision, the help that was necessary in order to accomplish the task that was given to Adam. How many of us miss the strength that's provided by God if we're not intimately in relationship with Him? We miss out on the strength that's provided whenever times get tough, whenever things are hard, because it's easy to break down. It's easy to fall away. It's easy to blame other people or other things instead of coming to the relationship that you have that is the provision of that strength that you need in that time. And so we have an intimate relationship. When you have an intimate relationship with someone, you understand when they're going through something. You understand when something's not quite right because you have that relationship. You've been with them long enough to know that something's not right. So my wife, and this is the only example I'm gonna use, I promise. (laughs) My wife, whenever I get aggravated or upset, I tend to hold it in. I tend to not wanna share. And my wife will sit there and she will go, what's wrong? Nothing, I'm fine. A few minutes later, what's going on? I'm fine, it'll be fine. What's wrong? Okay, this is what's going on. I'm irritated about this. I'm frustrated about this. And it all comes out and I feel better afterwards. But I need that relationship because we have that intimate relationship where we know what's affecting somebody. How many times do we need to be able to go to God with that? And we've separated ourselves from him. We've separated ourselves from his presence. We've separated ourselves from his, our relationship with him. And when it comes to time, we don't feel like we can approach him. We don't feel like we can approach him with the burden that he wants to share because he loves us. He cares for us. If our spouse can love us and care for us enough to want to take on that burden, to want to share in the pain that we're going through, wants to share in whatever, whatever mess we've gotten ourselves into and to help us out of it, how much more will God want to do that? How much more will God want to be that person who draws us back into proper relationship, who draws us back in to a an the understanding of who He is and the understanding of what He wants us to become and makes us more more of who we're supposed to be? The other thing that we see is with our you know especially with my spouse, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be. A marriage, it can be any really intimate relationship. You see that same sort of thing whenever there's joy. So when you have something that's exciting, something that's wonderful that's happened to you, the first thing I do is I call my wife. The first thing I do is I say, hey, guess what happened to me? I'm excited about this. God wants to be that partner to us. He wants us to, we, we want him, he wants us to come to him and to bring the joy and he wants to celebrate in that with us. He wants us to have those moments of incredible ecstasy with him where we're able to enjoy his presence and become lost in his presence and become a new person and be made refreshed and renewed in his presence. And the only time we're able to do that is if we're actually in communion with him if we're actually taking the time to find relationship, if we're actually taking the time to worship and give ourselves enough time to actually enjoy his presence. Because how many times do we get so busy that we can't find ourselves enough time to actually find a moment with God, find a moment of a time just of intimacy with him we're able to spend time and get to know each other again and to feel the presence and feel the, the love and the compassion and the, just the, re, the renewing that comes from a, a life with him. And so I want to read Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22. And I feel like this is something that I've read wrong for a long time. Like, I've read it and I've understood it mentally. You know, I've, I've, I understand what it's supposed to mean. But I feel like there are times that I've, I've missed out on the, the depth and the intimacy that he wants us to have in this. And so Ephesians 5:22 it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves him, his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Well, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And it calls back to that first creation. It calls back to the first joining of man and woman together because that's the kind of relationship that God intends for us to have with him, that we should become one flesh that we should submit to him, that we should give in to him, that we should allow him to rule over us because he knows what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. This was never about the relationship between a man and a woman. It was about the relationship between us and God. It was about the relationship between the church and God. Yes, you can apply it to a marriage. That's great. But this is every bit of this is about our relationship with him. And he has given himself for us that we could be spotless and pure, blameless, without spot or blemish. He was calling us to that that intimacy. He's calling us to that holiness so that we can be presented before him in the way that he intended, That that we would no longer have anything separating us from him, that he could call us to himself as an equal. He could call us to himself as someone that's deserving of what he has given to us. And so as I read this, I think about all the ways I've failed, all the ways that I haven't lived up to that expectation. But the fact that he calls me again and again, he longs for relationship with me. He longs with relationship with each of us. He longs for us to submit to him. He longs for us to leave this natural home, this natural world that we're a part of. And be joined, be separated from our mother and father, be separated from the things of this world and be sanctified and be brought into relationship with him in the fullness of what he has called us to be, in the fullness of his desire for us, which is that there would be no separation. There would be no difference between us. It would be our minds would be like his mind. Our thoughts would be like his thoughts, that there is nothing that that can separate us from him and that we would begin to do the work that he set for Adam, which is to tend to the garden, tend to the world that he created and bring it back and reconcile it back into relationship with him. And so I've got some questions, and it's going to pertain to marriage. It's going to pertain to our relationships. And I just want us to try to explore that a little bit with one another and try to share our perspectives. I think each of us have, we've all had different experiences. We all have different perspectives on the life and the marriage and relationship that we have with God. And I hope that all of us can participate in that and find value in that, right? All right we hope you enjoyed this message if so please share it if you'd like to partner with us you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate we'll see you next week and may god bless you and your family